With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's it like being being a fan of a team that can beat Rutgers? Uh, the air is cleaner, the water's purer, every meal is filet mignon, every drink is 40-year-old scotch. Yeah, I don't, that, I was, I didn't watch it, but I followed it on the tweets, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You're a better man for having not watched it. Welcome, welcome. It is time to get weird. Okay, that's probably my worst Michael Buffer. Yeah, that went on a little too long. (laughs) Anyway, it is time for the Let's Get Weird sports podcast. We have not done one of these in, what, three months, Paul? It's been a while. We did a few at the beginning of the pandemic, and then life kind of, well, the version of life as we know it kind of returned, so we haven't done one in a while, but There's still it's a good to be going on? Um, it was in all the papers. It made all the, the, made all the homepages. Oh, well, I, I was unaware of such things. I mean, I, I, I was told that these things were going to end on, like, November 4th, so I'm, I'm kind of surprised, so... Yeah, I thought it was all going to end that day, too. And I remember being told it was going to disappear in April, but mm-hmm. here we are. <laughs> it is what it is. Third wave or whatever we're at, fourth wave. <laughs> the love boat, the new wave, or next wave, whatever that series was called. Well, as as you know, we're big fans of the dollop here, and there's a very good dollop that they have on the third wave, which was a social, social experiment done in, I think, like the 60s or whatever. But we're not going to be talking about that tonight. We will be talking about the 2021 NCAA basketball tournament because, yes, we're going to be looking forward to things that might actually happen with some semblance of normalcy. I'm surprisingly chipper on a night where my football team got dominated by Rutgers. I mean, that's usually a death knell for a team. Well, maybe the Shiano hire is going to prove to be a very astute and shrewd one. And, I, you know, there's something to be said. Like, Shiano did things at Rutgers that other men couldn't do. Wow, that sounded almost like sexual. Like, he'll do things that other men won't do. Well, but, we're um, talking about Rutgers, not Penn State. Oh, 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 oh boom. Zing. Well, I, I oh boy, you know, the... with the Big Ten East, you know, you can always just pick your scandal. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I think the thing that's helping me tonight is I have a nice sheriff of Fansville with me, so. Which, the sheriff of Fansville, for those that are uninitiated out there, is the Dr. Pepper Cream Soda, which is a delicious drink in its own right, but you mix it with two to three ounces of the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. And it is actually quite good. 
So, yes, I have a sheriff of Fansville with me. What are you drinking, Paul? I am drinking some bird dog maple flavored whiskey, and this is out of Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I picked this up in um, lovely Utica, Illinois yesterday. And it, it's just basically like a knob, the knob creek maple flavor. But before that, I had something which was almost too good to be alcohol because it's so tasty. It is a um, Appalachian sipping cream. It's a dark chocolate coffee moonshine, and it's in a full mason jar. And that's made in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which I picked that up um, yesterday as well. At first, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. This podcast is a lot better when we involve drinking, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so, we are going to be talking about the 2021 NCAA tournament, which, at least as of 10.14 p.m. Eastern Time on November 28, 2020, is currently projected to be entirely within the city of Indianapolis and its outlying environs. So that seems to be the largest development of you're going to have 67 basketball games. It really should be 64 basketball games because the play-in games suck. Yeah, then, that's a play-in game. It's like the wild card round in baseball. It's not a round. It's, yeah, it's, one, it's a one-off. If the Great West Conference had ever gotten its stuff together... We wouldn't have to worry about it, unfortunately. Because I don't know if you know the origin of why we have these games, but it's related no, to... No, but I actually, I don't. And what a convenient time to tell me the story when we have an audience listening. Sure. So, I forget what year it was, but it was... I, I would estimate around 2003, 2004, 2005, whenever the first first play-in game came about... It was the year that the Western Athletic Conference and the Mountain West Conference actually split from the old WAC, where they went from like 16 teams to two eight-team conferences. And the NCAA, in its infinite wisdom, did not want to go down from, I think it was 33 at-large bids and 31 uh, automatic bids. They did not want to do that. So they came up with the grand idea of having the two worst automatic qualifiers play in a one-round, one-game playoff, essentially, in Dayton, Ohio. And that it went that way for a while. And then they switched to the, okay, well, we'll now have the first four where we expand the tournament to 68 teams. And so you have this vestigial tournament going on in Dayton, Ohio, that often doesn't mean much of anything, except for in 2011 when VCU went first four to final four. That's like the only major year of consequence for it. But yes, it, it's related to that. And then you had where the Great, Great West Conference comes in and up in your neck of the woods, the dominant media presence of Chicago State University. Yes. There were a bunch of Division One independents that decided they were going to get together and form what was called the Great West Conference, despite the fact that they had teams from California to New Jersey. <laughs> and I think their idea was, all right, all these independents are going to get together and we're going to get an automatic bid. And the NCAA is like, no, we, we see through what you're doing. 
and no, we're not giving you an automatic bid. So the Great West Conference was very short-lived. They never got a team to the NCAA tournament. And I'm actually looking it up now because if I had been able to prepare early, this would have ha- I would have this already up. It existed from 2004 to 2013, and none of their members ever got an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament despite having a conference tournament and everything else. So from there, I, I do remember, I'm sure you do as well, there were the two or three seasons in which we were being ordered to refer to this as the first round, and the actual first round was the second round, and the actual second round was the third round. And I I was stood defiant. I would not conform to such things. And eventually it went back to that, and that became the first four. Well, I mean, you know my position on the designated hitter and everything, so of course I didn't refer to those games in Dayton as the first round because I'm not a heretic. Indeed, my good man. <laughs> Indeed, good sir. So if if we're going to look at the makeup of the Great West Conference, it was originally Northern Colorado, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Cal Poly, UC Davis, and Southern Utah. And that was from 2004 to 2008. And then in 2008, South Dakota, North Dakota, Chicago State, Houston Houston Baptist, Utah Valley State, Texas Pan American, which I believe is now Texas Rio Grande Valley, and the New Jersey Institute of Technology all joined up. Which they joined when North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and Northern Colorado left. So at the height of the conference during the 2008-09 season, they had nine teams, but they still were not recognized as a Division One conference worthy of an automatic bid or anything. And why is Chicago State in the Western Athletic Conference again? Because Chicago State is a school that should not have a <laughs> should not have Division One athletics program, but they were wandering around looking for a conference. And they've done quite poorly in it. Mm-hmm. And at the time of its, uh, at the time it was dissolved at the end of 2013, Chicago State was still a member, but they were a member. It looks like only for uh, they were one of the few only full members. The final full members were Chicago State, New Jersey Institute of Technology, Utah Valley, and. Houston Baptist, and UT Pan American. So it only had five members at the end. Do you believe that part of the decision to move the tournament to the to Indianapolis is because the NCAA's headquarters are there, so now all the bigwigs and big shooters can kind of just do whatever they without having to go anywhere? Oh, I don't think there's any question of that, because for the long, part of the deal when the NCAA moved their headquarters to Indianapolis, I think it was the late 90s is the RCA Dome and then now Lucas Oil Stadium would become the permanent backup host of the Final Four in case there was ever a situation in which the Final Four could not be played in its originally scheduled place. And here we are. And here we Well, the Final Four was originally supposed to be here in 2021. Because uh, that was also part of the deal is it's automatically here at least once every five years, both the men's and the women's final. So where are they in terms of the planning standpoint? As far as I know right now, 
uh, it's still very, very early. We just basically have the announcement of, hey, it's probably going to be here. But I imagine that they are working on where exactly the rounds are going to be played. And I'm glad you asked that question, Paul. Basically, I'm like, this is like a musical where the guy's like, hmm, tell me what's so special about that. And it's like, oh, hey. Let me tell you, da, 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 and then the song breaks out. <laughs> you know, a city with a three million dollars is like a mule with a spinning wheel. No one knows how they got it, and they sure as hell don't know what to do with it. <laughs> so seriously, we're looking at what would be the venues if all sixty-seven games of the tournament were moved here. And the city of Indianapolis has quite a few that would be relatively close to downtown, and they could have a pretty decent bubble if that's what they're looking for. You obviously have Lucas Oil Stadium where the Final Four is scheduled to be, but would it still be there if you can't have 70,000 fans in the stands, which... Let's face it, there will not be 70,000 fans in the stands by early April. But you can still use it for basketball. And, I mean, in theory, if you're going to have no fans, you could th set up two courts within the stadium and just have a big divider between the two of them. Uh, obviously, you have Banker's Life, Banker's Life Fieldhouse downtown. But there's several other venues that are close by where you could play and have four to eight first and second round venues. You obviously have um, Hinkle Field House at Butler, uh, the classic place, the setting of Hoosiers, which is where, honestly, I would play any final, final rounds because I'm a basketball purist. And then the Indiana State Fairgrounds Coliseum, which is the home of your hometown Chicago Blackhawks, ECU yeah. affiliate, <laughs> the Indy Fuel. Uh, they actually play basketball there. That's where the IUPUI Hoosier Makers play. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. That's great foreshadowing. I was wondering where Ooey Pooey plays. It's it's a recent development. They have a very, very tiny, like, 1,000-seat on-campus gym that they used to play in. But they did a big renovation about five years ago at the Fairgrounds Coliseum before the fuel moved in. And when they finished that... IUPUI agreed to play their home games there at the Fairgrounds Coliseum. So it's a newly re uh, renovated venue that they play their games in, and it's like six, 7,000 seats. And it's a nice little gym for them to play in, and a little bit better than their on-campus one. But you also have that factor of if you're strictly looking for a place to play games, you have their on-campus gym. And then you have the University of Indianapolis is a Division II school that has their own on-campus gym. You have Marion University, which is an NAIA power. They have their own on-campus gym. And that's just the ones located here within Marion County. So Banker's Life Fieldhouse, Lucas Oil Stadium, Hinkle Fieldhouse, the Coliseum, University of Indy, University, or Marion University. That's six college basketball courts within Marion County where you could play. Right, and as this is a very special edition of Let's Get Weird Sports, as it's the first future-oriented one we've ever done, let's 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 go back to Lucas Oil. Uh -huh. The whole point of playing domes is to have massive amounts of fans because, you know, we're basketball purists. We don't 
think basketball should be played in domes. Like, you know me, I believe all basketball should be played outdoors on aircraft carriers. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, though, like if you don't, since you you don't care about crowd size, why not make Conseco your final hub? Although I'm with you, obviously I would think Hinkle would be perfect. I would rather have Hinkle, but given that uh, modern newfangled inventions and whatnot, I would think Conseco would be the final four. Or like, how would you structure it for which round, which venue would get which one? I, I would have the finals in Hinkle. Just because of the history there, Hinkle is a natural college basketball arena. I don't know if you've been there, but I've described it as... If I God, have. I've, Go ahead. I've described it as if God himself had designed a basketball arena. And I, am I so, felt it was like Fenway or Wrigley for basketball. Yes. Like I, the charm and everything was wonderful. Y- you walk in there and you feel the history. And I've only been in there a couple of times, but it... I was able to take my son there, like, for a random Tuesday night December game against Western Illinois a few years ago. And it was just, you know, I feel honored to have been there, honestly. And I've been to Fenway. I've been to Wrigley several times. And it's one of those you walk in and the venue makes the event for you. I mean, Butler beat western illinois by like 30 35 points or something that night but it was just the hey i was honored to be there this is the ncaa's chance that if they can only have a limited amount of fans like say they can only have five thousand fans there put it in hinkle give it to hinkle because it deserves to be there this is one of the most perfect basketball arenas on the face of the planet put it there (laughs) I agree. I do. Oh, I agree completely. I mean, the one time I I was there was Northwestern played um, the day of the Big Ten title game. And I remember just I had this weird premonition. I, I somehow kind of knew that the Big Ten title game was going to be boring and lame. And I was way more excited about going to Hinkle. And I stayed so late where it was probably just me and the janitors left. I don't, I don't really remember who even won or what happened in the game, but just seeing Hinkle that by the time I got to the big 10 title game, it was well into the first quarter. And that was the 59 and nothing year. Mm-hmm. And then I, I just didn't even bother to go to the pressers. I'm like, this isn't, um, but interesting that we bring that up because yesterday we had some news break there is a COVID outbreak within Butler. Their Eastern Illinois game that was supposed to be tomorrow is canceled or postponed. Northern Kentucky, Kansas State. Butler will not play another game. And as we record this on November 28th. <laughs> uh, 10.29 p.m. Eastern time. Yes. Yes, at 9.27 Central. Um, Butler's next game will be their Big East opener on December 14th against St. John's at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So we have to consider that when we get to all these plans, if you have, like, I can't imagine you would go to the, you would go to the venue where there was where there was an outbreak, right? I mean, I mean, granted, it spread person to person, not by services as much, but still. Who knows what's going to happen in the next three months. It, and that's the hardest thing to project with this. 
because there are so many moving targets and moving points and what scientific developments there will be and what is the efficacy of the vaccine and who's going to take it. And it's, I'm operating under the assumption that there will be some sort of college football or college basketball substance because we've actually seen a tip off this weekend. And some teams have already played three or four games in four days. So there's going to be a season of some type. I fully believe that there will be a tournament of some type because the only conference that is fully opted out whatsoever is the Ivy League. And at that point, it's the, okay, well, there's one more at large berth then if the Ivy League is not going to play. How that plays out and what we actually see here in Indy and as far as fans or whatnot, nobody knows what's going to happen because we don't know what will be in place a week from now, let alone three months from now. So... We've already even seen some of the more wild results because Virginia got upset for, by San Francisco yesterday, which, as a Purdue fan, yeah, now Virginia misses a last-second shot, that asshole. <laughs> but you, your own Illini survived, what was it, Ohio yesterday? Right, because like, the first two games they won by 170 points against nobody, so they probably got cocky, and they're like, yeah, we got this, and yeah, they had to... They barely squeak by Ohio. Now, one of the more interesting things that I've seen here, and I'm unfortunately going to have to spoil it, was somebody projecting that they play the first and second round games in the historic Indiana high school gym, which I, I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, actually, in preparing, that's a great... That's another segue, great... Donnie, or... Uh, my sheriff of Fansville is kicking in, and I apologize. Excellent segue, yeah. Monty, that's it, Monty. Yeah, he's the best color man in the business for nothing. No, um, what about Carm? Is it? I get the two confused because they're both, you know, rich, super rich white places. In California, it's Carmel. In Indianapolis, it's Carmel. In Indianapolis, it's Carmel, and their gym is. Uh... Because I've seen their football field, and it's really nice. And I know... Their gym is decadent, and it lacks any character. All right, so you wouldn't go there, but Lawrence North is like the big powerhouse, right? Lawrence North is... They're a big powerhouse programs, but if you're looking at some of, like, the cathedrals of Indiana basketball, you would want to look to the Muncie Fieldhouse, the Anderson Wigwam, the... Newcastle Fieldhouse, which is the largest... Newcastle United! <laughs> but it's Newcastle... It, it, and when you mention the Newcastle Fieldhouse, you actually have one of the bigger controversies here in the state in the last year in that somebody went through and actually counted the seats in both the Newcastle Fieldhouse and in Seymour, Indiana's gym and discover that Seymour allegedly has more seats than Newcastle, which Newcastle has long touted that they were the largest high school gym in the country. So I, I still believe in Newcastle because it's just a gigantic high school basketball cathedral, and they have the unique ability. It's one of these sunken gyms that's just like 26 rows of seats all the way down, 
and then they have a walking track across the top where if it were a big enough game, they could put additional seats along the walking track across the top. So to me, Newcastle is the largest. It's, it is Indiana high school basketball personified. But the problem that you have of playing in some of these cathedrals like there, like the Anderson Wigwam, which unfortunately has been closed for many years. Yeah, it, no, just, uh, there's something called the Wigwam. You've got to tell me more about that. Like, uh, what does it look like? Okay, the, the Anderson Wigwam is, was the longtime home of the Anderson Indians, which they are a... They're unfortunately a program, one of those Rust Belt cities that in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, they were at the height of Indiana high school basketball, just a legendary program, multiple state championships, and they've fallen on hard times because all industry in the city has fallen apart. Oh, I've been there. I've been to the, um, we tried to go to the Little 500. And we showed up, and they were sold out because that was the that was the year that Tony Stewart raced. And oh yeah, I, there is there is like a, a race there, but um, and it's across the street from a giant auto plant. And yeah, I remember seeing this sign. It was like, "Let's get Anderson growing again." And it was like, I felt like I was in the Michael Moore documentary, Roger and Me, or something. It, yeah, and Anderson's one of those cities that. With the auto industry crashing, they lost all of their industry, and the population has dwindled, and it's it's just bad. And they've consolidated three high schools that were once there into one, and the Anderson Wigwam is is their, like, 9,000-seat basketball gym. Wonderful gym. I love it. I've been there several times. So much character in it. They unfortunately had to close it about five years ago, and it's just set dormant and empty in that time. There's actually been a plan to renovate it and reopen it somewhat, and Anderson High School, the local high school, would be able to play there a couple of times a year, so that's great if they're able to do it, but it's just, it was a standalone gym. They The school corporation couldn't afford to maintain it enough to keep it open, and it has just, it's been closed for a while. And it's, it's one of those juxtapositions of how much the community and the school was dedicated to high school basketball, but then you have the modern economic climate just ruining a city to where they can't keep their gym open. And it, w- it would be one of those places that just has a ton of character, but... Again, this is this is the reason you can't do the idea of playing there is the high school game plays on 84 feet long courts. College basketball is played on 94 feet long courts, and many of the high school venues just don't have the ability to expand the court by 10 by 10 feet. Okay, but um so we covered the high you said there's already six in Marion County. Yes. Before we even get into the suburban counties and other stretches, and this is really just a shout out to your base and our listeners and here, would there possibly be some rounds at Mackey? That would be, I'm, I'd imagine that's at least on the radar, because it depends on how they would want to do the first and second rounds. Obviously, what they have right now is they have eight sites for the first and second rounds. They have four on one day, four on another. Since 
they're only playing four games at each site, you technically could have only four sites. You could do like Hinkle, the Coliseum, Lucas Oil, and Banker's Life. And then just four games at each site the first two days and then two games at each site the next two days. You could get it done that way. But if you wanted to spread things out and move them around, it really depends on how far out you want to create that bubble. And then suddenly, okay, you've got Mackey Arena within 60 miles. You have Assembly Hall within 16 miles or 60 miles. You have Indiana State's Holman Center within 60 miles. You have Muncie's, I think it's Worthen Arena that they have up there for Ball State. So you potentially could have Ball State, Indiana State, Indiana, and Purdue all within that hosting area where they could host first and second round games. It's all something to consider. I mean, it's all on the table, right? I mean, everything's on the table at this point. And I I think that there's been more talk about having games at Mackey and at Assembly Hall, but it, it really, again, it just comes down to being a moving target because we we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if this season is going to be shut down in a week because of the way COVID spikes are going right now, really. Right. I mean, we're living it right now with football. I'm sure you heard Otis on this, in the background on this podcast, and Otis made it onto the Patrick Gerald press call, and someone said, okay, so you lost for the first time today, but what about next week? Oh, well, Minnesota's got 40 cases, so... Their game is probably off. Mm. Um, Ohio State, if they, if you know, one more cancellation, they're out. Then Indiana goes to the Big Ten title game, and I was, you know, I was watching the Michigan State game, the basketball game tonight, and I was like, "Oh, Notre Dame is is this bad at basketball?" (laughs) First game. Oh, Oh, well, no wonder. Like, wait, this is Notre Dame's first game. And you look at the AP poll, and you can see these ACC teams that have played nine, and then Wisconsin's next to them, they played like three. And it, it's just all over the place. I'm just surprised that we're still pushing to complete a college football season in which there is no, there is no regulation of how many games a team can play and be equally evaluated with another one because Wisconsin's played what three games right now right because this one was coveted out they beat Illinois they lost to Northwestern and they beat it was did they play the crossover yet I don't know I think they beat did they beat Michigan yeah, yeah they, they beat yeah, Michigan that's right they won at Michigan they're two and one but yeah, okay, so you have a team like Wisconsin, which is obviously a pretty good team that has played three games, and then you have uh, the Liberty Flames have played ten. Right, and then you've got all these weird things like Coastal Carolina is ranked and Notre Dame and their ACC schedule. and it's, um, it's by far the weirdest season that you can ask for. Oh, another team that's played ten games is Georgia Southern. And it's the it, in football, you've had the weirdest season you can ask for, and college basketball is going to be even worse because wasn't it this week that Mike Bray at Notre Dame 
just essentially put out a tweet of like, hey, we're looking to play somebody next week. We're willing to travel. Let us know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that. yeah, that's what it's come to. That's how weird it is where, like, this goofy Big Ten Champions Week where the teams that don't make it to the title game, I don't know if they're – does that mean they're going to play other Big Ten teams? Does that mean they're going to, like, fill in with, like, a Fresno State or, like – a, a Mac team or something. I would say at this point, don't even bother. Like I, I'm in the Sean Doolittle category. I think sports are a reward for having a functioning society. And I think <laughs> let's just, let's just get this. Let's only do what we have to do to get it in the books and complete it at this point. And you can't even say that with college football. I mean, you're having games canceled within a week. You're having within a day, like Florida State Clemson last week, and Ohio State Illinois calling it at nine thirty Central Time, ten thirty Eastern last night. Oh, my goodness! But I mean, the good news is we finally made America great again, Paul. Right. Everything is is wonderful, and everything is. Uh... We have college sports, and it's the holidays, and the, the the entire college football season to me is a wash. It's it's almost it's almost a season that just doesn't count because of how of the difference in games played for each team and whatnot. And yet, I'm still pissed off at it because my team got dominated by Rutgers today. <laughs> well, all right, but I'm the con- you look at it the other end. If you're <clears throat> You know, I don't want to take it away from these kids and these teams that are having a great year, and you should celebrate that, but this feels like somewhere between, like, a pre-conference game against a directional school or a mid-major and a preseason scrimmage. It's somewhere in the middle. It just doesn't feel real. I think that college basketball in that regard is going to be even stranger because we haven't even gotten into the era where area where these teams are traveling much anymore because what illinois played all three of their games at home this weekend and chicago state was a last minute fill-in for Wright state okay and then i know purdue played down in the space coast challenge in melbourne florida they were able to get those games in which how surreal is this there was a tweet on wednesday night right before they were playing liberty and it was I think they were play, scheduled to play Liberty at like 6.30 at night. There was a tweet at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, hey, everybody's past COVID protocol and the game is on. I'm like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did actually do some research for this, sort of. Um, yeah, okay, I guess we're, kinda... we're only like, what, 40 minutes into this and we're putting actual research and facts into it? Yeah, it, now we're 40 minutes into it, and I'm finally getting to somebody who is one of the premier figures in the sport, which, one of the most recognizable people in college basketball. Which, he hold, gave on. His, hold on. I promised Juan I would do this, and I can take this clip and put it back in because of the magic of video editing, but... We need to have an ad break for these wonderful products and services that you need to go and spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on because you enjoy listening to us. All right, so um, this came up 
at a press call on Monday. It was the third question during the session, and it's perfect because it's about our topic. And the fact that I've waited so long and so deep into this podcast to discuss it is pretty funny. Um, I guess I, since I've had enough bourbon in me, I could do my John Calipari voice, do my impersonation. I don't think I'm going to do it for the entire quote, but I could do it for a couple lines, and then I'm just reading the transcript, and then you can tell me what you think of what he had to say on it. Um, I've got to give it to Mitch and that committee. Bubbling up is the safest way for these kids to play basketball. <laughs> Having six courts in Indianapolis where they can play, and kind of like the old NAIA, if you remember, where there would be 32 teams come in, and when you lose, you're immediately out. You're on the bus, and you go home. Just play it down. All right, that's, that's I guess really I was good. Like, was that like Al Pacino kind of doing John Calipari or what? How did you enjoy that? We're coming out. Guns blazing. <laughs> that if you add up all these inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing. I'm no, glad um, that we managed to cross-reference uh, Pacino's Any Given Sunday and his Devil's Advocate back-to-back. I'm a fan of man. Yeah, that was in his whole, like, uh, hoo-ha phase where he was really over. All right, so then he goes on to say, they told me the reason the NBA bubble basketball was so good is because the teams didn't want to have to travel. They got in a rhythm. They played the rhythm. They didn't want to play three or four days and then take a day off. They wanted to play every other day. And he's just saying, like, okay, that was the best environment. I agree with them. He, he, he supports everything they've said. And basically the John Calipari take was you get into a rhythm, you play right away, you do the NBA model, and you don't dilly-dally, and you just kind of get into it. And I think um, he's definitely got a great point in that. We have seen that the NBA, the NBA way does work. That model does work. You can't do that with 351 Division One teams against, what was it, 22 NBA teams? You just can't do it. You can't. And I actually don't know what he's talking about with the NAIA, though, where it was kind of like, he says 32 teams come in, one and done, you're gone. I think he's right that it's going to be, you bust in, you play, and then you leave. I think we've seen that with gyms and with other restrictions where you don't hang around. I mean... Which kind of your take on that? I mean, I, to me, it's not realistic unless you're deciding that you want to play the entire season in a bubble, and that's why I was kind of in favor of no preseason, no non-conference games for the Big Ten. You lose the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which would never happen because the ESPN needs their money. And exactly, I was all behind a 26 game. Full round robin Premier League style Big Ten. No Big Ten tournament, no non conference games, 26 games. Everybody plays everyone else twice, home and home. Let's do it. Right, but the tournament, though. F the tournament. Well, I mean, the. No, the NCAA tournament. tournament. Oh, the NCAA tournament. Well, 
I mean, that's probably what we're going to get anyway, but... It's going to be... Yeah, I'm not familiar with the NAIA, but it's going to be... I think they're going to have to really congest it and just go. Uh, And the problem with that is, is how do you have any sort of level playing field at that point either? But I agree with you in fuck conference tournaments because you don't need them. Conference tournaments are a disaster at this point, to be quite honest. They're just superfluous, and you're asking for extra travel before ncaa tournament or anything else so well that was kind of my i felt in an optimistic world in a really rose-colored glasses look i would go back into the field and i would cover stuff again march 10th through 14th when the big 10 tournament comes to the united center and then the next day i like came off whatever substance i was on whatever (laughs) thing that was distorting my vision and making me think of like I'm like, are you kidding? That's the worst possible. You've got 14 teams from all over the country coming into this one spot. But then you might have 68 teams coming into Indianapolis. I live in a lollipop house on Gumdrop Lane. And, well, you have access to uh, substances that are of a legal nature in the jurisdiction that you currently occupy that are not legal in the jurisdiction that I currently occupy. Yes, because we are all godless hedonists here in Chicago. (laughs) We are all selfish hedonists that are amoral. On that note, we should probably begin to uh, wrap that up because this has been quite a rambling podcast, and I blame the effects of the sheriffs of Fansville. Well, I do think, you know, we've kind of already covered all the material that we could cover anyway. And um, thank you for enjoying my John Calipari impression. I think I might have to put it in with my Al Gore as some of my better ones. Because a Calipari press call is a lot of fun. Like, he's like a fun version of, like, Grandpa Abe Simpson in which he'll go on and on about stuff, but it's it's fun to listen to versus Grandpa Simpson would kind of ramble about God knows what. If you've been listening this long, and God bless you if you have, because you are just some kind of masochist, This the long story short is we have no idea what's going to happen, and there's definitely a couple of places in the city of Indianapolis where they could play all the, they could play all the games if that's what they decided to do, so... <laughs> But I, at least I do know what we could do for our next Let's Get Weird. Oh, and Dynamite Segway. That's fantastic. Um, I've been reading a few books uh, in preparation for the book I'm writing about the English Premier League. And I learned about something called The Crazy Gang, which was at uh, Wimbledon. And it's not Wimbledon, the tennis tournament. It's Wimbledon AFC. And they would, like, haze people by setting their cars on fire and stuff. So I'm going to bone up on that, and I'm going to send you a few links, and I think I think the Wimbledon Crazy Gang should be the next one. Well, anytime that we can get into metric football, it's always good. Absolutely. So on that note, I think we will draw this latest edition of the Let's Get Weird podcast to the close. And for Paul, for... Otis, for Ventress that managed to F off and just run off (laughs) my version (laughs) of the podcat. (laughs) The podcat, yes. Uh, We do appreciate you listening, and if you made it to this point, God bless you, and may someone give you a special cuddle, and 
do what they need to do in this holiday season. So thank you. If you've made it this far, you're stronger people than we are. Yes, this is the truth. So thank you very much for listening.